The United States is roughly 2,800 miles from coast to coast and contains 47,432 miles of highway running in all directions. From the earliest days, we've always had a fascination with traveling them and seeing what there is to see. As national parks began to open up, families hit the road camping in the 30s. California began to be the golden ideal of American life, and people would hit the road to go find it. RVs and trailers got popular in the 50s as people indulged their wanderlust from sea to shining sea. As the obsession with the road increased in America, it started to be reflected in the music, especially in the 50s and the 60s. And then, in the 70s, with the advent of eight tracks and tape decks, people could control what they listened to more in cars, and there was a golden age of road songs, from trucking to rambling men, from going your own way to being born to run. Everybody got in on it. Today, on The Mixes In, we're talking about the 70s road songs, with a special guest from further up the 1,919 miles of I-95, my brother Jer. This is The Mixes In. And welcome to another episode of The Mix Is In. I'm your host, Jacob, and today we've got a special guest. Tell the people hello, Jer. How you doing? This is my brother, Jeremiah, who uh, lives up north from me. We thought we'd get together and do a special episode talking about 70s road songs. So, why 70s road songs? Well, my brother has a fascination with the decade, and I think it's probably the best era of just pure road songs that exists. And, you know, it's good music, so why not? So what do you think makes a good road song, Jer? For me, it's a song that when you're in your car or your truck or your RV and it comes on, you just want to put your foot on the gas and sing along as loud as you can. I would be inclined to agree with that. So a little bit of background. We grew up driving across the United States and Canada, for that matter. Every summer, my mom, uh, who was a minister, would take a month, about a month, month and a half off, and we would get in the car and we would go somewhere. We, we took a trip up to Nova Scotia once, we down to Florida, but we also drove out to California and then we drove up to Alaska one year. So we spent a lot of our childhood in cars driving on long, stretched out highways. And at least for me, I uh, have had kind of terminable wanderlust ever since and i imagine you do too yeah i i do like to get out on the road and go places traveling by car is still something i like to do it's something rach and i like to do so yeah i i definitely have that bug still yeah i mean jen and i too the last thing we did before the the covid lockdown was we drove up to montreal and back which is a pretty good 
day's drive up through the Adirondacks. And I mean, we live, well, depending on the traffic in Connecticut, about eight hours apart. And that's a pretty fun drive other than, again, the traffic in Connecticut. Yeah. My dad lives in northern Vermont, and I, I love that drive because it's just up the north way in New York. Just so we're clear, it's our dad and our mom. So I'm used to doing these podcasts with people I'm not related to. So yes, it's our dad and our mom. Pain in the ass. So do you remember some of the stuff we used to listen to on those trips? There are songs and, and tapes that I I do think of. One of the ones that comes to mind a lot is when we were... Going up to Vermont one summer, I bought Madonna's Like a Virgin, or I had Madonna's Like a Virgin album, and we listened to that a fair amount. And I can also remember buying the cassette from Metallica's Ride the Lightning, leaving Yellowstone National Park on one of the trips. And I think it was the second time we went to Yellowstone and when we celebrated my birthday there, but I'm not 100% on that. I think it was the second time. I, I distinctly remember that, too. The second time would have been 88, 89. I think it was 89. Yeah, around there. So, and you were just getting into Metallica around then after Injustice for All and the other album. Kill Em All. Not Kill Em All. Master of Puppets. Master of Puppets, yeah, because I got Ride the Lightning and uh, Kill Em All later. But I remember buying that Ride the Lightning tape at, at the gas station at Yellowstone or just outside of Yellowstone. Yeah, I remember listening to it around there. In fact, I kind of associate Ride the Lightning with Yellowstone, which we may be the only two people on the planet Earth that associate Ride the Lightning with Yellowstone National Park. Yeah. And of course, the the Footloose soundtrack. Oh, whenever I hear a song from that album, whether it's the theme song or I Need a Hero, it always makes me think of our trips with mom because we listen to that tape on multiple trips. Well, that was one of the ones she liked, unlike most of our music. Yeah. She cool. and we had a tradition that when we would get in the car and go, I probably once we we got on the highway, we would listen to the song Footloose. Yeah. Didn't make my my top 10. Well, it's an 80s song for one. I still think of it as a road song, but I guess it's it's so tied to family stuff, it's not necessarily kind of a general road song. It's probably still on my mixes. Yeah, I, I still like the songs from it. In fact, we just heard I Need a Hero in the supermarket the other day, and they it came on right after Fame. And it was like, what is this, 80s uh, musical movies uh, soundtrack? <laughs> nice. It, I always like hearing that song. but and it So that album is more than just our road trips for me. I yeah. mean, you know, because we like that movie so much, and so... I don't know. Even if we included 80s songs, I don't know that I would. it would make the top 10. But for sure, it's associated with those road trip memories. Yeah, same. You know, and you're talking about holding out for a hero. That was in my wedding. We played that when we introduced our groomsman or my groomsman. See, now I'm using R. We're not married. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not used to hosting these things. I'm used to just talking about music for an hour. But yeah, so I like I remember another one was No Jacket Required by Phil Collins. You insisted on playing that a lot. I like that album. I don't remember that being part of our road trips, but I did like that album quite a bit. I remember it being part of our road trips because I do not like that album, and I have never been a Phil Collins fan. <laughs> one or two songs now, but at the time, I didn't care for it. Kind of like I played Scarecrow 
a lot by John Mellencamp. And I think you liked most of that album, but you hated Rumble Seat, which was probably my favorite song on it growing up. Yeah, unfortunately, that's still not one of the songs I like off that album. I like that album now more so than I did when we were kids, mostly because I think there was a lot of the, well, if Jake likes it, then I don't kind of feeling about it. But Rumble Seat still is not one of my favorite songs off that, that album. I probably played Born in the USA a lot, too. I was big into that album. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, yeah, I can't remember too much of what I listened. We listened to the radio a lot. Like we spent a lot of time trying to find different radio stations, which is you're driving across, you know, vast expanses of the country is not always so easy. So when you find one, you hold on to it as much as you, much as you can. Yep. I always think about one of the times on those trips when we went and we were driving through Minneapolis and an old friend who was a DJ in New York and went to our church was then a DJ in Minneapolis. And we had called him to let him know we were coming through. And as we were listening, he shouted us out as we drove through Minneapolis. And I believe he played a car song because he had once asked me what my favorite band was. And he was the first person to ever ask me that. And I remember answering the cars, even though I don't know that the cars were ever actually my favorite band, but I loved a couple of their songs at the time, uh, magic and, uh, the one where he's the fly in the video, whose name I can never remember. Yeah, the one I still don't like all that much. <laughs> you know, this was all in the 80s, so we were we were a little bit past the what I described in the beginning is the golden age of road songs. Yeah, we didn't really get, even get into what was what would become classic rock when we were on those trips. That was when we were more teenagers and later. Yeah, it was a little bit later. It was in that that period between middle school and nirvana when we got big into most classic rock bands yeah i mean i guess that's that's mostly what we're talking about we're going to be talking about today is is what counts as classic rock and one of the things going through this i realized is that when i i have a i have an ipod that i listen to in the car because i i guess that counts as old school now because i like to have mixes and i have a couple of road mixes but there's one main one that i listen to when it's just me and in prep for this, I went through and I said, all right, well, I'll pull out all the 70s songs. And what I realized is that it was 70% 70s songs on that, <laughs> which surprised me. I mean, I knew I liked a lot, but it surprised me. And I really do think it was the golden era of road songs. Yeah. Like so many of these bands had good songs that are fun to listen to in the car. And I think it's just because it was an era where car culture was big. Yeah, you could play eight tracks. I, mean, I really think the eight tracks and the tape thing had a, made a big difference because you could play songs that people would listen to in certain situations, you know, in the car rather than just hoping, you know, this song came on the radio in between. Well, it was it was also the era of music portability, where, like you said, you could listen to what you wanted to, and it was they're not all three minute pop songs that would have been on the radio. Like when I, I in preparation for this, I was looking through road trip lists and road trip musics, and most of the songs on them were I would say but recorded between sixty eight and eighty two for a good percentage of the list anyway. I think some of it may have to do with it was also the golden era of arena rock bands and huge rock bands. Yeah, and just this the birth of sort of incessant touring i mean people toured in the 60s but not like they did in the 70s and it wasn't as many places as as it opened up when you talk about like a band like kiss 
part of the reason Kiss was so popular in the States and had an enduring popularity is that they played all the cities that the other bands didn't go to. And other bands started to follow that model and play, you know, Des Moines instead of just Chicago. And so these, these bands were also on the road all the time. And a lot of that was bus travel. And I think that inspired them to write songs about their experiences. Sure. I don't know. I guess that counts for the British bands too, who, you know, have a country the size of Wyoming. (laughs) I don't actually know if it's the size of Wyoming. That's just me conjecturing. I'm sorry, England. Uh, I, I did find out a couple bands I didn't realize were British were British doing this. I did it as well. That surprised me. I remember the biggest one of those that ever happened to me is when I found out that Free was British. They do their big hit was All Right Now. And because that to me was always like a quintessential American kind of song. And I found out they were British and it, it I've just never recovered from that, I guess. I didn't realize Foghat was British. That was one of the ones that I found out was British for this. <laughs> so I and I'll tell you, this this was tough. It was tough. Because we, the way we're doing this is we each have five songs on the 10-song mix that we'll have at the end of this that you can listen to on Spotify. When I did my first pass, I had 62 songs. And that was just throwing things against the wall. And there was even within that, there was still stuff I know I forgot to put on there. Yeah, I, I probably hit around 20 on my initial rundown of just thinking of songs several of the ones that i really wanted on the list were recorded before 1970 or released before 1970 so that that's why they didn't make the list narrowing it down even to once i had the list down to something manageable picking the top five from that was was not easy i only had one well two that i thought were 70 songs that were actually 60 songs and they were uh, both from the band's music from Big Pink, which came out in 68, and I had thought it came out in like 71 mm-hmm. and had never really uh, looked that up, but in fact, 68, so they were right off. I was almost grateful, too, because, you know, when songs got eliminated for reasons of technicalities, it meant I didn't have to stress about, you know, what to eliminate, because I, one of the things I did is I kind of pared this down to 27 songs my original list. And then I started essentially coming up with reasons to remove things because it was hard. This was, this was a hard list to to winnow down. So for instance, these are some of the, you know, this will take away, I guess, some of the surprise of my five, but here's some songs that didn't make it for me. Uh, Free Ride and All Right Now were not on my list. And the reason for that is because I feel like they're more cruising around town than road trip songs. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Going up and down main street. There were some great songs that don't instantly make me want to get on the highway because I love them for more than just one reason, like American Girl from Tom Petty, which is it's on my road mix. I love the song, but I don't just love it as a road song, so I eliminated that. Yeah, I had I had songs like that that yes, I love to listen to when I'm in the car, but I also like to listen to them in the shower or while I'm working or stuff like that. So they those were easier easier songs to remove from the list. Yep. So for me, that, that was the biggest one I used to eliminate things. So like American Pie, uh, Horse With No Name, Band on the Run, Midnight Rider, China Grove. Oh, Band on the Run. Run Through the Jungle and The Promised Land were all ones I, I eliminated on that particular technicality. 
And run through the jungle was hard because that has a deeper kind of road meaning, I think, for both of us. Yeah. Fox on the Run is is the first song that went off the list for me for that reason. Because I, I just want to hear that song all the time. Yeah. So it didn't make the cut and it was an easy one to take off. Yeah. For me, the hardest of that group was Midnight Rider. It's one of my favorite songs. I think it's one of the greatest guitar licks of all time. The Allman Brothers are clearly a good road band. Mm-hmm. It's one I can just, I can hear all the time. And it, it, I love hearing it in the car and I love hearing it on the road. But I also like hearing it, like you said, in the shower or, you know, when I'm sitting on my back porch reading or something like that. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's almost a perfect song in my mind. So it's, it's not situational. Mm-hmm. So is, is Run Through the Jungle on your list? It is on my list. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it then, then. So spoilers. So I have one just, just as good standing in a field during a thunderstorm as in a car. And what I mean by that is there's songs that, you know, I have a real emotional attachment to and it gets me going and I love hearing them in the car, but there's more to it, to the overall experience of it. My list for that were Baba O'Reilly, When the Levee Breaks and Badlands. The When the Levee Breaks is on my list as well. It doesn't make the top 10. Just because, well, for the same exact reasons. While I'm thumping my foot in the car when it comes on, I mean, that song is part of my musical journey, I suppose. That just, it means a lot more to me for plenty of other reasons than just screaming at the top of my lungs when I'm by myself. Baba O'Reilly is one of those songs I will not listen to unless, or I will not listen to in the car unless I can roll the windows down and scream along to it. Something I have done in thunderstorms, which is really cool, I will add. I can't just listen to it in the background. It doesn't work like that. In fact, when I, I saw The Who in concert a few years back, and I was in a section where nobody stood up during the whole show, which I still don't understand. But when they played Baba O'Reilly, because I was in the front row, so if I stood up, I was blocking these people's views, so I felt guilty doing it. When Bob O'Reilly came on, like, I can't sit through this. So I went up and got in the aisle and stood there listening to it while people looked at me funny. But at that point, it's like, hey, fuck you. Stand up. It's a rock and roll show. There are no Who songs on my list, which is funny. And it's it's I don't associate those with dri- as driving songs. As much as I love the Who, there's, there's not one that I even thought about as putting on a road trip list. Because I have the requirements for Baba O'Reilly, it was on my list. Mm-hmm. The only other one was The Seeker and Slipkid, which I don't like Slipkid as much, but The Seeker feels like more of a, there's a lot more going on there than just a road song, but it is on my my personal road mix. I also think it came out in the 60s, didn't it, Seeker? That, that was the other thing. A fair amount of the Who's Greatest Hits came out in the 60s. Yeah. Baba O'Reilly was in the 70s. It was on Who's Next, but... yeah. American Pie is in my top 10. You said you took that off your list, right? Yeah, be, entirely because it's it's one of those songs that I love it for more than just hearing in the car. It made my it doesn't make the top 5 on my list, but it it stays on for the to me that is a song I love to hear in the car, especially on a trip where you can get in all 8 minutes of it, you know, it's a lot of the songs on my list are seven, eight, nine, ten minutes long. As a classic rock, prog rock fan, the longer the song, 
in my mind, the better it is for a road trip. Hmm. Yeah, there were a couple on my list where I thought, oh, this is great. It's a little short for a road trip song. There's not a lot of eight-minute ones on mine. There is one. but The songs that are in my top five are all single-type songs, but in my in my list, there are a lot of long songs. Hmm. One of my favorite things to do when I'm driving home from Dad's house in Vermont is just put Jethro Tull on and listen to Jethro Tull all the way home, and I'll do Thick as a Brick and Passion Play listen to the whole album all you know it's, it's one or two tracks however you want to define it 45 minutes of prog rock goodness there there were two jethro's tall songs in my initial 62 pass uh heavy horses and skating away in the thin ice of a new day locomotive breath is on my top 10 i completely forgot about locomotive breath so we're just going to go ahead and retroactively add that to the list <laughs> I have a bunch of Jethro Tull songs I like. I just they're one of those bands I don't tend to think of as a road band. But yeah, Locomotive Breath would be a a good car song. Yeah, makes me think specifically of New Jersey more than the open road, and that's Born to Run. <laughs> this felt like the the most the one I had the most trouble with because I in the end I I mean I love Born to Run I love Bruce Springsteen but I have this weird thing about this like I like this song but I don't particularly associate it with car trips or driving for me it's more about getting out of town which you think would be the same thing but in my head it's not and i always associate it with a little bit with with no surrender on the born in the usa album and i like that one a bit more in this context so it's it's just weird it just makes me think of, of things other than you know driving and road trips even though it would be you'd think the ideal song for that I didn't put Born to Run on my list just because the lists I was looking at online, it's on every every road trip, you know, compilation out there. Feels more like a hiking song than a road song. That's Blue Sky by the Almond Brothers. This is a tough one for me. I love this song. I love the Almond Brothers. Uh it just I needed to pare down the list, so I had to come up with excuses. That was one of them. But it's it's a wonderful song. More of a New York City song than a pure road song. That was Walk on the Wild Side. That one was tough too, man, because that's a good car song. When I hear that song, all I can ever think of is how much mom hated it. Really? I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah, she she did not like the lyrics to that song. Not shocking. I remember our, our buddy Matt, his mom picking me and him up from somewhere for some reason and it being on in the car and me wondering what it was about and her commenting i don't even think lou reed knows what's about he was on so many drugs i mean i knew what it was about but i was trying to make conversation but i always thought that was kind of a funny answer <laughs> makes me think of canoes that was can't you see by the marshall tucker band that was one of the last cuts and that was the best i could come up with as why to not have that in my top five Although it does make me think of canoes. I don't know why. I don't either. Uh, and the, like the last one that I didn't do a lot of work on was uh, I Just Don't Love It, Love It, Trucking by the Grateful Dead. There were several Grateful Dead tunes that I considered putting on the list. They just got eliminated pretty early when I was narrowing it down. But there were plenty of Grateful Dead songs. St. Stephen or whatever, Trucking, Uncle John's Band, or those are 
good rogue tunes, you know. I'd throw Sugar Magnolia on there too. Yeah. Two of the ones on It's the one the uh, riding that train high on cocaine. Is that Casey? Yeah, Casey Something. Jones. Casey Jones. I just don't love the Grateful Dead. I like them. Yeah, I I don't love it. There's no song they have enough that's going to crack the top 10 of list for me. I although when people ask me about this episode and what we're doing, I would say road songs, you know, like trucking. Because people would know it. It defines what we're trying to do. I think it's it's a perfect, you know, song for what we're doing. Oh, sure. I just don't like it that much. Yeah. Yeah. So really that's that's where we were at. Like I felt more it was kind of like Born to Run, which I do like, but I felt more obligated to have it on the list than it jumping out at me as something that I adore listening to in a car. That was the kind of logic I had to go through to pare this list down. My list wasn't as long as yours. Several of the songs that I really wanted on there didn't make the rules cut. So America by Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, because that's in the 60s. Yeah, is a song that when it comes on the a mix or the or XM or something, to me, that's that's a fantastic road song. A lot of Paul Simon stuff and Simon and Garfunkel stuff, I think, fits in that category of just ideal for that sort of thing. Yeah. And then the other one, it's a song I still like. I mean, it's one of those 60s songs that kind of is a bit overplayed, but Magic Carpet Ride by Steppenwolf. That was one of the ones that I was surprised was 60s and not 70s. Yeah. So I, I probably that probably would have made the top 10 if it fit our rules for me, just because it's a it's a catchy song. It's fun. I mean, you can't help yeah. but be happy thinking about where you're going when that song comes on. I agree. And I'll be honest, I always thought you didn't like that song. Kind of the same with American Pie. I didn't think you liked either of those. But maybe at one time in my life I didn't. Born to be Wild would be on there, but it's also a 60s song. Probably wouldn't make my top 10, but it would at least have to be on the mix. you know. Yeah. So I actually had two more reasons uh, just to go through them real quick. It makes me want to go to California more than it specifically feels like a road song. That's Ventura Highway by America. Mm-hmm. And then reminds me too much of Bill Clinton. And that's Go Your Own Way. <laughs> the other song that would have easily been in on my list is um, Susie Q by Credence. Um, but when I looked that one up, it was 68 or 69 as well. But that, is that on Willie and the Poor Boys? I forget which album it was on, but it was it, it doesn't make the cut for that reason. But I, I do like Susie Q a lot. Look, I'll be honest. Uh, if I had a road mix that was just Credence, I would be perfectly okay with it. Every one of their songs just about feels like it's, you know, up around the bend, Lodi, you know. Who Will Stop the Rain. Who Will Stop the Rain. It's got other meanings in my life, but that whole Greatest Hits album that I had from Columbia House, they're all hit. They're all great songs, but any one of them would be great just to listen to in the car while you're cruising. I mean, they, they really yeah. don't have a song that doesn't sound good in that 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 sense yeah absolutely i would i would agree i springsteen's a little bit like that too and that it's perfectly okay listening to every single one of his songs in the car and it'll sound just right yeah and for me that you know another band like that is america Mm -hmm. ventura highway sister golden hair horse with no name yeah i mean all of these are absolutely good road songs yeah Ventura Highway is a is one I didn't get into years ago, but I've gotten into recently as I've become more and more obsessed with California. Mm-hmm. 
but it does feel like a good California song more so than, you know, driving through the highway in Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the ones I love. So now beyond this, I have three honorable mentions and I think you have five, right? I, well, I've, I've mentioned some of the honorable mentions, but I'll, I'll go through a couple of the ones that don't make the top 10. All right. Well, let's, let's hear your honorable mentions. I'll do mine and then we'll get into the, the actual top 10. Okay. So th- the first one that, is in the top 10, but doesn't crack the top five is ride like the wind, Christopher cross. Now, when I looked it up, it was recorded in 79 and released in February, 1980. So I left it on the list, (laughs) but for me, I've gotten into that. I don't know what you want to call it. Adult contemporary, the late seventies, early eighties, yacht rock, mellow rock sound and christopher cross was a big part of that and ride like the wind was his first single it's a catchy song it's about being on the road it's got michael mcdonald doing backup vocals who's another big part of that sound it's just a song i really dig so my comic shop when they're loading the new you know putting the new comics out they have a game they play where they put on xm radio's yacht rock channel and they try to see if they can get all the comics put out and filed before they hear three Michael McDonald tunes. That's got to be challenging. Yeah. They don't often win, apparently. <laughs> this, now, this isn't a, a song that necessarily I think people would think of as a road song, but Roundabout by Yes, 1971, the Fragile album. It's eight minutes long. It's, it's a prog rock, I don't know, anthem it's a song that made you know makes classic rock lists. It's just a it's a fun tune. You know, it's got a lot of that stuff, a lot of the prog rock sound in the middle. One I like, Don McLean's American Pie. We already talked about that one. Heard it through the grapevine. Doesn't make my top five. The CCR version. It's from 1970, the Cosmos Factory album. And when I was researching that, man, there's a lot of good songs on that album. Yes. Yes, there are. And then the the, the song that just falls short is uh, Locomotive Breath. Well, the There's right. a fantastic live version on the Bursting Out album that was from the Heavy Horses tour in 78. It's obviously, it's one of Tull's most popular songs, but I just love it. And the, the thumping, you know, aggressiveness that it just builds up to. When I'm in the car, it, it is hard for me not to speed when I am listening to Locomotive Breath in any situation, road trip or just coming home from work. Such a good song, and it, it, it doesn't make the, the top five. I would agree. Like I said, I forgot about it or it'd be at least on my initial list. Roundabout wouldn't be, but I've never been as much of a Yes fan as you are. And I got to admit, I don't know the Christopher Cross song, or at least I don't know it off the top of my head. I'd ha- I'll have to listen to it after this. I'm sure you would recognize it, you know, when you look it up on your phone. It's not an obscure song by any means. Yeah. I'm really I really am shocked that American Pie was was so high on your your rankings. I mean it, it I mean I'm not arguing it. Look, it was on mine. It's a song I absolutely adore. I know a lot of people think it's cheesy or whatever, but I, it's just for me it's a pure slice of Americana. It's the kind of song that I think music nerds talk themselves out of and i'm a music nerd but i i'm such a sap 
that it still makes me, you know, choked up sometimes when I hear it. it it's the kind of song, A, anybody from our generation and, and before that knows music, you can sing along with it. So that, in my mind, it, that's a perfect road song right there. If you can sing along with it, it's the kind of song, though, that there are parts of that song that the hair will stand up on the back of my neck. Same. And it's it's just it's touching and it's got a good beat and you can dance to it basically (laughs) you know it's funny i always think of it as kind of an american version of bohemian rhapsody and they're not similar songs obviously but they're the kind of song that if you play it at least 70 to 80 percent of the people you are around when you play it will know enough to sing along to the good bits definitely like yeah if you've ever seen that video i forget I think it was a Green Day concert where the entire crowd in in England starts just singing along to Bohemian Rhapsody at the top of their lungs. Yeah, I think if you had Don McLean playing and you know before a Metallica concert, or whatever, here people would sing along and get into it. Yeah, definitely. It's not on my list because I don't think of it purely as a road song, but I do love hearing it in the car. The other thing that. that just one more thing about my list is there's no Neil Diamond on it. And there's plenty of songs that could have been on this list from Neil Diamond. But like you said, they're, they're important for other reasons than just being in the car. That's interesting. I don't, Neil Diamond's one of those. I don't think of as, as kind of road songs. Same with Harry Chapin would be songs that, I mean, I don't mind hearing in the car. I love singing along. I'm big fans of, but not road song. Maybe I am. I said, Brooklyn Roads. If I were making a mix for a trip, both Harry Chapin and Neil Diamond would end on up end on it for sure. Solitary Man, Forever in Blue Jeans, both songs I'd love to hear in the car for sure. Yeah, Forever in Blue Jeans has got that kind of bouncy rhythm mm-hmm. to it that would would make a nice makes for a nice car song. Yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think of him in this. I don't think I have any of his on my my road list, but I'll have to revisit that. So, all right. Well, let me go through my honorable mentions. I only have three. I I only have three as if I haven't mentioned 30 songs so far. So the, the final three cuts for me were the city of new Orleans by Arlo Guthrie. Although it was originally written by Steve Goodman for his 71 debut. Guthrie recorded it for his 1972 album, Hobo's Lullaby. Uh, It's actually kind of an interesting story behind it, which is that Steve Goodman approached Guthrie in a bar asking him to if he could play play him a song. And Guthrie, having just played a concert, didn't really want to hear anything. So he made a deal with him and he said, if you buy me a beer, I'll listen to whatever you want to play until I'm done with that beer. And I have a tribute album where Guthrie says turned out to be one of the finer beers of my life. And I always kind of think of that when I hear the song. Uh, it was also Guthrie's only top 40 hit. It's a wonderful road song, I think. It's a good sing-along. It's it's about traveling the country. Uh, the only reason it didn't make my top five is it's about trains. <laughs> it's hard to have a train song on your road road list. Yep. But it is one I love to hear in the car. I have a, like I said, I have a particular version of it from that tribute album where he tells the story in the beginning. It always makes me me smile when it comes on. But it's a good song. I think it mentions cribbage, and there's not that many songs that do. 
but yeah, it's in the end the the technicality that that got rid of it was it's about trains. The next cut was Running on Empty from Jackson Brown. It's from his 77 album Running on Empty, which was actually recorded at the Meriwether Post Pavilion, which is about 40 minutes south of me. It's number 496 on Rolling Stone's all-time greatest songs list. And I think I still first heard it in Forrest Gump. I am shocked that that song is not in your top five. I thought for sure it would be. Really? Yes. I I mean, I like it. It's it's definitely, for my money, one of the best road songs ever written. And, you know, some of it is that association with Forrest Gump because it's what plays when he's running across the Mm -hmm. country. I can't help but think about being on the road when I hear that song. Yeah, Yeah, uh, same for me. It's absolutely one of those songs. It's best in the car. Mm -hmm. It makes me want to go drive and go see the world, um, which is what all of the songs left do. Uh, The the technicality, the way it got cut was it's just, it's a little depressing. It's kind of a sad song. Or at least a little melancholy. And... Yeah, so that was that was how it it ended up, but it was it was tough. The toughest cut was Jessica by the Allman Brothers, which is from their 1973 album Brothers and Sisters, originally written by Dickie Betts as a tribute to Django Reinhardt and named after his daughter. There's actually kind of a fascinating history regarding the composition and who gets credit, which is worth if you Google the song and read the Wikipedia entry, it talks about it. And it's, it's kind of an interesting rabbit hole to go down uh, because the Allman Brothers were an interesting band, uh, especially after Dwayne Allman passed away and how their music got created and a lot of that. <laughs> just not to say they were better after Allman passed away, just their story is fascinating, I guess. Cool. Jessica's also the theme song for Top Gear, a show about cars. It's it's just an incredible song, and it's 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 a nearly perfect song to listen to while you're driving. It just feels like it's the soundtrack to every road trip that's ever happened, or at least the beginning of it. So why does it get uh, cut? You can't sing along to it. Uh. I had to come up with something. It was real close. It was real close with a couple of the other ones, but in the end, because you can't sing along to it, that was the excuse I used. It's like every road trip montage in every movie should have Jessica playing. So yeah, so here we are. We're at the actual mix. Um, Why don't you start? We'll go back and forth and we'll talk a little bit about what made our final five. Okay, so the first song on my final five is a... It's probably cliche, but just because something's cliche doesn't mean it's not right. Take Me Home, Country Roads, John Denver. 1972 from the poems prayers and promises album comes in three minutes 17 seconds so it's not even one of those long things that i love peaked at number two which was i found to be interesting peaked at number two on the u.s charts obviously it's one of john denver's most popular songs if not his most popular i'd be willing to bet it's it's his most popular now widely i was i was in a I was in a college bar last year, year before, and there's a famous guy in, in Delaware where I live who plays covers at bars, and people love this guy. And I was in this bar with my buddy, Nick, and he was this guy was playing, you know, packed with kids, 
18, 19, whatever. He starts playing that and the whole place went nuts. Sang along, knew every word. And I was just mystified that people even knew the song now. It's definitely a, a, a sweet Caroline type song or don't stop believing type song that everybody just knows it and loves it. One of the versions, it's like I said, it's been covered by a lot of people. One of the ones I like and a lot of people like was the Toots and My Tells cover is one of the more excellent ones, in my opinion. I was just listening to that a lot yesterday. Toots Hibbert passed away yesterday yeah. uh, from when we were recording this, and I spent the day listening to his music, but that was one of the ones. Take Me Home, West Jamaica. So that's number five for me. All right. That's a good choice. I didn't think of John Denver for this list, uh, and I don't know why not. I haven't made a mix for a trip, I don't know, in the last five years that hasn't included that song. I do. It's funny because I associate John Denver most strongly with our summers growing up at various camps that our father ran. Yeah. I we used to listen. Yep. Particularly, uh, there's one in upstate New York called Kingswood. And uh, for whatever reason, I think we spent a couple of weeks there and listened to his greatest hits a lot while we were there. And it just imprinted on me. Yeah. So I think of his as more camping than road trip songs. It's funny because when I mentioned doing this to my wife, Jen, she first thing she said, oh, like John Denver. And I was taken aback because, again, I just don't think of him that way. It shows how subjective this all is. Oh, of course. I, you know? I mean, that uh, when I was looking at the lists online of, you know, various rock magazines and music lists and things, it's on almost every single one of them. I mean... It, it just is. That makes sense. You know, I didn't look at any putting this together. I probably should have. <laughs> um, all right. So my first in the top five, I guess number five, I think is going to be your least favorite song that I've mentioned. Uh, I will in a bit, which is Take It Easy by the Eagles. <laughs> uh, this is from the Eagles debut album in 1972. In fact, it's the first song on their debut album and was their first single. And it was co-written by Jackson Brown and Glenn Fry. And I didn't have any idea about that. I've actually got a little anecdote. This is from Wikipedia and it's Jackson Brown talking about it on a radio program. It says Brown told a version of the story in a radio interview. I knew Glenn Fry from playing these clubs. We kept showing up at the same clubs and singing on open mic nights. Glenn happened to come by and say hi to hang around when I was in the studio. And I showed him the beginnings of that song. And he asked if I was going to put it on my record. And I said it wouldn't be ready in time. And he said, well, we'll put it on. We'll do it. Because he liked it, Brown explained. But it wasn't finished. And he kept after me to finish it and finally offered to finish it himself. And after a couple of times when I declined to have him finish my song, I said, all right, I finally thought, this is ridiculous. Go ahead and finish it. Do it. And he finished it in spectacular fashion. And what's more, arranged it in a way that was far superior to what I had written. Wow. I thought that was, I was fascinated by that because I had no idea that they even knew each other. But apparently Glenn Fry and Jackson Brown lived in the same building at the same time when both he and the Eagles were coming up. Wow. I adore this song. I think it's, it's, for me, it's a perfect road song. It's about being on the road. It's about enjoying life. And as it says, taking it easy. It's got that kinetic feel to it. It's absolutely fun to sing along to. The, when the Eagles would perform it in concert, they would start it with an acapella verse from Silver Dagger, which is a folk song. 
before going into play in this. And I don't understand how those two things go together, but I kind of like to seek out and see a version of that. That would be pretty cool. There's a statue in Winslow, Arizona, dedicated to this song. Wow. It's of a dude standing on a corner with an acoustic guitar. And if you look at it behind it, there's a mural painted. And in the mural, there's a window. And in the window is a reflection of a flatbed Ford with a woman in it. And in the upper, if you keep looking at the building, in the upper window, there's an eagle painted. And I, I just thought that was kind of neat. Because, you know, how many, how many rock songs or road songs have a thing you could travel to see in them? Yeah. You know, and of course, that's the famous line, standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona, such a fine sight to see. Yeah. It's just, it's fun to sing along. I know it's, and the Eagles kind of, to some degree, defined the 70s and some of the 70s sound. Sure. And a lot of their songs are good road songs or a few on mine. I'm not a huge Eagles fan. I think I have their greatest hits, but they're definitely one of those bands where I think most of those songs feel like road songs. Take it to the limit. Even Hotel California a little bit, even though it's about being stationary. But yeah, this one, I couldn't not have a road list without Take It Easy on it. That's a good choice. It's it's one of the Eagles songs I still like to listen to. So yeah, I get it. Really? I thought you had, had turned on the Eagles. I know you got into a little way back when. Yeah, I mean, they don't make the, the playlists these days, but you know, if it comes on XM, I don't necessarily change it. They must come on on that Yacht Rock channel. A little bit. All right, so what's your number four? So number four is a, as far as I no, a one-hit wonder. Black Betty by Ram Jam, 1977, self-titled album. Reached as high as number seven on the UK charts. And it's actually a cover of a African... Cover is hardly the right word, but an African-American work song usually credited to Huddy Leadbelly Leadbetter. Tom Jones also covered it. It's just a catchy tune. And like I said, it, it when I hear it, it makes me want to drive fast. Puts a smile on my face. I'm stunned. Stunned that that is on your top five. Well, what can I say? <laughs> I mean, it's a good song, but it's, you know, it's a Southern rock kind of song. And you used to make incessant fun of me for liking Southern rock. It was on a comp. I think I first heard it either on the radio or a compilation album I had that also had um, Mississippi Queen on it. It was a good compilation of classic rock songs that were all kind of that in that same kind of vein, one hit wonder type things. But for me, it's a it's a fantastic song, and it's got everything I would want to have if I were cruising along on the highway. Oh, Black Betty! Yeah, all right. I'm yeah. I'll look. I'm. I'm surprised. Wow, this is this is fun. I thought I had a good idea what your top five were going to be, and clearly I was incredibly wrong. That's great. All right. So I guess my number four is Slow Ride by Foghat, who apparently is British. As we both learned from Wikipedia. <laughs> it's on their 1975 album, Fool for the City. It's number 45 on VH1's all-time best hard rock songs which was another surprise for me because I guess I never really thought of it as hard rock. Yeah, I, I saw that list as well, and I don't necessarily think of them as hard rock either. Yeah. The original version, the one I listened to in the car, is one of the eight-minute versions, but there's a few 
singles ones that are closer to like three, three and a half minutes. Uh, but the eight minute long one is the one I know best. Same. So this is this is another it's an anecdote I get. I read it on Wikipedia, but I'm gonna read it to you, which is about the recording of it, which is kinda interesting. Nick had a cassette player and he would record whatever we played there. As I recall it, the whole song was written. The middle part and the bass part and the ending were all Nick's ideas. Basically Nick wrote the song, but we just jammed on it. Nick cut the stuff up so it made sense as far as the song goes. And Dave Peverett, the band's then guitar leadist and vocalist, said, I've got some words, and that's how the song came about. So it sounds like it was just one of those songs that materialized a little bit out of thin air as they were sitting around. And for me, it's it's a perfect driving song. It's got that heavy kind of driving rhythm, the cool guitar sound that makes me think of a car engine. I mean, the lyrics are about sex or dancing or whatever but they could just as easily be about driving. And that's how I choose to interpret them. It's easy to sing along with. And for me, it, it, this is in part because of a specific instance of hearing it. So I was driving home from Montana and I came down through uh, the Grand Tetons and into Wyoming. And I was driving out of the mountains into the wide open expanse. And as I came down and hit this giant straight straightaway, you know, that stretched on for miles and miles, you know, the kind of quintessential highway when you think of, you know, the open highway and the open road, you know, with the mountains behind me and I'm driving down and this song comes on, you know, I'm sitting there, I've got an Arnold Palmer in my hand, you know, turned it up, put the windows down and just blasting across America listening to this song. And for me, it was that perfect road trip moment. So that song playing it, for me, it becomes one of those perfect road songs. Hey, you know, it's eight minutes long and it's just, it's just good stuff. It made my, my overall list. And for me, it's the scene at the end of Dazed and Confused when it comes on as yep. they're driving up the highway to go get Aerosmith tickets and their summer's just starting. And when that song comes on in real life, that's what I think of is hitting the road you know, you've got everything in front of you, all the possibilities, and this is the theme song for that. Absolutely, yep. And that, and having experienced Oma that that exact moment. Yeah, that's a, that's a great choice, great story. So yeah, so that's that's my number four, Foghat. So you know, oh, just to interject real quick, one thing I kept thinking of when making this list was the Simpsons and Homer Simpson going, "You don't know Grand Funk." <laughs> I thought of that quote probably 20 times putting this list together. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. My number three is Run Through the Jungle, CCR, 1970, right. the Cosmos Factory album that we were talking about. When I read about it, it was released as a double single with Up Around the Bend and went to number two on the Billboard. And when I was researching this, the thing that I found to be really interesting is Fogarty says it's not about the Vietnam War, which is what I always thought. It's a song about gun proliferation in the United States and how out of hand he thought it was. And when you when you look go and look at the lyrics, that I get it. It, it definitely fits. For sure. I think it's I think the Vietnam thing comes as much from it being used in movies and or Fortunate Son and you know, that it, it was that era. Yep. 
But that song, for me, the meaning in my life goes back to The Talisman, uh, the book by Stephen King and Peter Straub that for a long time was my favorite book of all time. And I've, I've read it a dozen times. But when at the end of it, when they're driving back home to his mother across country and Wolf's son or nephew is playing this on repeat or whatever, to me, the moment from that book just is so vivid in my mind anytime I hear that song. And it, they're doing what you, what you just described, driving across Montana or whatever, <laughs> going home. It, it, it's a perfect moment in my life to, to when I first read that book and subsequent readings. And it, I just love that song. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, you know, same having the same affection for that book, uh, for sure adds a little bit to the song and the song is just, it's got it in spades already. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, the, the rhythm, it's got the, the that thumping beat the same as, you know, black Betty does. It's, you know, you can tap your foot. It gets the blood moving. It gets you, it gets you, excited just to hear it yeah and like i said all of credence yeah would fit yeah but that one fits just a little bit more yeah it was on mine it was tough to cut i had a hunch maybe that you would have it in yours that made it a little easier to cut <laughs> all right run through the jungle what a good song yeah you know when we finish recording this i'm just gonna go listen to all the songs we talked about all right so what are we on three three, three? all right so my third is Tiny Dancer by Elton John. What? Written by Tur- Bernie Taupin. How could you not have seen this one coming? I didn't even know you liked the song that much. How could you not know that? I'm I'm mystified. I'm shocked. I'm scandalized. So, Tiny Dancer, released on the 1972 album Madman Across the Water. Here's a little bit about the, the lyrics. Uh, this is from Wikipedia again. I didn't have time to get real deep in my research and pull out the books, so... The song's lyrics were inspired by Taupin's first visit to the U.S. in 1970 and were intended to capture the spirit of California, where he found the women he met highly contrasted with those he had known in his home country of England. Taupin stated in a 1973 interview in Rolling Stone that this song is about Maxine Feibelum, his wife at the time. In 2019, she said, I knew the song was about me. I had been into ballet as a little girl and sewed patches on Elton's jackets and jeans. I thought that was kind of funny. For me, the song feels at its core exactly like what it's like to drive across America. You know, the lines, count the headlights on the highway. That's, that's something we did as kids. I remember specifically driving into the Grand Canyon one dark night and you know seeing just almost no cars on the road and just counting them as they came along. So it, it clicked with me on that level, on a personal level. But then you get that pedal steel that's so iconically... Americana and the piano and it's just it's just dramatic but also kind of earthy and kinetic and and moving and it doesn't hurt that it's also featured in one of my all-time favorite movie scenes which is an almost famous when Russell has just dropped acid at a party in Topeka and the band was pissed at him and they pick him up in the bus and they're all sitting around and everybody's kind of miserable and the song comes on and they all start singing along you know, on this bus as they drive across America. So it's a perfect sing-along song. It's long, 
And for me, it at its core, it feels like what it's like to drive across America. Like it is a song that describes that feeling of being on that road trip, that feeling of seeing all this stuff. And so, yeah, so to me, that there was no doubt it was going to be in my top five the second we decided to do this. Wow. You're not, not a fan? Uh, no, I'm. that's not a song that I would even leave if it came on the radio. To this day, you're you're not being a fan of Almost Famous baffles me, confuses me, hurts a little. I just don't understand it. It seems like the perfect movie for you, and yet here we are. Here we are. I mean, shit, Fever Dog could probably make my list. That's a made-up song for that movie. I mean, it's based on Credence. I or the Allman Brothers. I forget which one. I, I think it's Credence. I get it. I understand why I should like it. <sighs> Shall we move on to number two now? Yeah, I'll I'll just sit here disappointed with everything while you're reading your number two. So, my number two is a dance track. Right back where we started from. Maxine Nightingale, 1976. Two minutes, 59 seconds. It was released as a single, and they later produced an album uh, with Pierre Tubbs, who was the co-writer of this song. It reached number two in the Billboard charts in May of 76. I was first exposed to that song, at least that I can remember, in Slapshot. And there are 70s R&B tracks that I just love to hear all the time. They make me want to dance. They make me want to move. But this, and not just because the Boston's playing before they open, and not just because the Boston's playing, but this song with the the samples and the you know the the electronic clapping or whatever, it is one of my all time favorite songs. It this song makes top ten lists when I think about all-time favorite music not just road songs but it's a great road tune i turn it i i have come close to blowing out speakers playing this so loud in my car wow and screaming the lyrics i just love it so much and not just because of the movie either i mean i just love this song and the the idea right back where we started from you know, you're either headed home or you're just headed out on the trip. It moves me hearing it. Well, I bet you right. didn't see that one coming. Not from space. I wouldn't have seen that one coming. I, I have had no idea that that would be on your list. That's cool. I'm, I'm glad we can surprise each other still. Yep. And I am, in fact, surprised. It's interesting that so many of these are tied into television, books, other media, movies, things that that trigger and you know it's not i guess not that big a surprise because we tend to associate songs it's kind of a sense memory with things but our favorite moments in film and the soundtracks for them are certainly going to be yeah you know when when i was going important. through and creating my list and and looking at other people's lists and things songs about cars and about driving and things like that are what are on those lists you know little deuce coop was on all of them and that kind of thing and when I was going through and pick, you know, thinking of songs that I would, what, what I would put on a list, I'm like, aside from country roads, take, take me home. None of them are really about driving. Maybe the next song you, you would, that's not the case, 
But so far, there's only one or two songs about driving that are on my list. You mean Roundabout isn't about merging? <laughs> it is not. See, that's funny because that was one of the things when I was thinking about what makes a great road, great road song. I do think that the subject matters. Songs that are about being on the road kind of lend themselves to being on the road. Yes, for sure. It does. It's not the most, you know, the only component, but I do think that that's a good starting point. So I understand those lists. But something like Little Deuce Coop isn't a great road song. It's just a good song about cars. Yeah, I, those I, two things are not the same. Yeah, and you know, like I Grease said, Lightning is about cars. It's not a great, ro- you know, road trip song. Yeah. And even driving songs and road trip songs in my mind are different. Yeah, for sure. Like I talked about with, with free ride, free rides, a great cruising song and it's not bad, you know, on the open road, but it's not really about the open road. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Wow. All right. I'm, I'm surprised. Now I'm really excited for your top two. Well, that I, was, number I figured two. we'd, Oh, oh yeah, we are at number two. I'm really excited for number one. My, I had money on the the Muppets, and I guess they're not getting that. <laughs> Rach actually, when we were talking about what could be on the list, she threw that out there as a song. I put that on a mix I made for our honeymoon where we drove cross country because Jen loves it, and that was the first song on that mix. I was moving right along from the Muppet movie is the song we're talking about. Oh, no, I was talking about Rainbow Connection. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, see, that was our wedding song, so we, it wasn't really a road song. <laughs> I have a far different uh, connection with that one. Yeah. I I was talking about moving right along from the Muppet movie. Which is probably the better road song. <laughs> Mayhaps. Yeah. So what's number two? It, all right. So number two. Now, this one you, you must have guessed, which is Over the Hills and Far Away by Led Zeppelin. I, I, I'm not surprised by that one. This is from Houses of the Holy. came out in 1973. Uh, it was originally put together by page and plant in Bronyurire in wales when they were doing the sessions up there i i looked up how to say that there were three different things and they all pronounced it differently so i went with the one that sounded most welsh i'm gonna say it again because i did research on this which is Bronyurire, and it was originally called many many times page plays a six-string acoustic guitar on it in, in the introduction it repeats that same theme with the 12-string acoustic and leads into that cool section where everything explodes and the electric guitar. I just, I love the sound of it. Rolling Stone has it as Zeppelin's 16th best song, although for me, I'd say it's probably top three. Uh, Andrew, Andrew Unterberger, who wrote for Spin, but he's also a big Sixers writer, uh, called it their best song. And I'm closer to agreeing with that than 16th. Uh, which is one of the very few things I agree with Unterberger on. Yeah, uh, for me, the the opening acoustic feels like setting forth. It feels like going out. And then when the electric hits full, that's when you're in full swing, when you're on the highway, when you're just, when you're going, when you stomp on that gas. And even the lyrics sum up the idea of the open road and road trips for me, which is, Many times I've gazed along the open road. Many times I've lied and many times I've listened. And many times I've wondered how much there is to know. And this song for me perfectly encapsulates that wonder and excitement and movement of travel and road trips and being out there and seeing things and f- going out and finding those, those new things and not just sitting home and rotting like we have been all this year. 
One thing, I, I'll never listen to it in the car if I'm on my way home. If I'm on my way out somewhere or going somewhere that's not home, I will listen to it. But if it comes on on my way home, I'll skip because it's not an on my way home song. And that's a really good choice. And and I agree with, with everything you said there. It's, it is, it does evoke that idea of setting forth on an adventure for sure. Yeah. And, you know, maybe there's that Zeppelin association with like Lord of the Rings and, you know, putting one foot in front of the other. I don't really have it with this particular song, but yeah, it's just one of those. It's it's a very powerful, visceral feel when I hear this song. I don't even like hearing it at home. Like I as much as I love this song and as much as it's one of my favorites, I, I just it doesn't feel right. I'm unless in the car pointed west. Makes sense. All right. So now we're we're down to the last two. All right. So. The number one on my list is a song you've already mentioned. It's Ventura Highway by America. All right. And I am not surprised by that one. (laughs) It's a fantastic song. It's a good road song. It's a song that he wrote when when I was looking it up. It makes him think about going to California. And when you hear it, I don't think... I think it's impossible not to think about those things, about going somewhere, about getting away from where you were and going somewhere better. You know when people talk about being in their happy place? Well, I have a very clear vision of what that happy place is, and it's driving on the roads in Hawaii with the top down in a rented Jeep listening to this song on a beautiful day and there are fewer times in my life that I've been as happy as I was in that car on that day, listening to this song with Rach. And that's, that's why it makes the number one for my road trip music. It means a lot more to me than that. Boy, I imagine it would. (laughs) That sounds pretty great. um, when I hear it, you know, you know, if I'm just, you know, working and it comes on or whatever, it makes me want to get in the car. It makes me want to be someplace wonderful. It just makes me happy. You know, it's got all kinds of crazy lyrics in it and stuff. You know, lizards in the sky and yeah, America's always got that acid trippy kind of feel to them. Yeah, but for me, that's what it is. It's it's that driving on the open road in Hawaii. Couldn't be a more beautiful day listening to that song. All right. Yeah. I, for me, like I mentioned, it was on my list, but it felt so specifically California that I didn't, didn't move it higher, but it's, it's definitely on my, my mix in the car. Yeah. And it's a great song. I, I am somewhat obsessed with California and driving there probably from when we were kids there's a whole subsection of songs about California that I kind of listen to that, that function as road songs, but in a real specific way. And Ventura Highway's on that. I get that. The idea... California by Wax or uh, California by Joni Mitchell. Going to California by Led Zeppelin. All these things. Yeah. And Ventura Highway for me is in that class. A lot of the Yacht Rock type songs, Running on Empty is one of those songs that... I know the song doesn't evoke California, but it makes me think of going there. 
and it, you know, back to the trips from when we were kids and we drove to California and came back, the idea of California being that destination where all those good things are is just so enthralling that there are times, you know, when, when you think about just getting in the car to go somewhere, what better place to go than California, man? I am 100% with you. Like I said, I'm semi-obsessed with the idea of California, and I'm sure the reality is much different. But, And I, I really think this is something our mom did to us as kids by driving across country repeatedly. Yeah. But it's it's a, it's such an American thing to look at California as as the golden paradise, you know, the destination. Yeah. The Yeah, we're certainly the, not the, the only two people who feel that way. Right. I mean, Steinbeck, you you loved Steinbeck yeah. and every one of his books is about going to California in some fashion. Or other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Ventura Highway really Yep. fits in that mold. Yep. And apparently for that's what it meant it that's what it meant to him. Yeah. Once the fires are out and the plague's gone, maybe you and I'll have to take a brother road trip out to California. Uh, that'd be all right. I would be I would be down for that. We'd probably kill so. each other before we got to Arkansas, but it, the idea is a good one. Nah. We'd be fine. We'd be fine. We would just listen to music the whole time and you know, 70s road songs will get us all the way. Yep. So what's your number 1? I guess I got one left. This one isn't going to be much of a surprise either for you. It's Tangled Up in Blue by Bob Dylan. <laughs> This is from his 1975 album, Blood on the Tracks. It's the number 68 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time list. I'm going to read you some more Wikipedia, because that's what you listen to podcasts for, right? Uh, the song was written in the summer of 1974 after Dylan's combat, uh, comeback tour with the band that year and his separation from Sarah Dylan, who he was married to in 1965. Dylan had moved to a farm in Minnesota with his brother David Zimmerman, and there he started to write songs that were recorded for his album, Blood on the Tracks. And that spring, he decided his brother kind of talked him into changing them up a little bit and making them more radio friendly to agree. And he re-recorded a bunch of them in Minneapolis. And the re-recording is the version that we know, the single version of Blood on the Tracks, the one on the album. And it's interesting because he... You know, so even before we heard it, there were a couple of different versions and you'll never hear the same version twice from him. But how he sings it now and how he sings it, sung it then and all along, he changes up the lyrics, he changes the pronouns, he changes the perspectives. It's always a bit of a mystery what the song is actually about. Uh, but every version I've heard makes me want to pack a bag and hit the road and see what's out there. I, uh, I first discovered it not through Dylan, but through the 1200 Curfews live album from the Indigo Girls, where they do a version of it. And I was like, well, this song's great. And then I realized it was Dylan. This is when I started to discover Dylan in the, the early 90s. And I've loved it ever since. It's got that propulsive engine, guitar engine that drives through the entire thing. And the song is about this journey of the protagonist and intersecting with this lost love of his and it's got everything you need there's rainy highways and fishing boats and deep woods and cities and it feels to me like america and it feels to me like the journey that we all go through in this country as we 
as he says, keep on keeping on. To me, that's ultimately what road trips and what we're talking about here is this idea of seeing what's up around the next corner or what's down the highway or what's off this exit or, you know, just driving a little bit further, maybe one more town over before you rest for the night and seeing all these great places and all these different things in America, because America is so different from region to region, like Maine and Wyoming are in the same country, but they are as far different as you could imagine. And Tangled Up in Blue, for me, and Dylan encapsulates all of that feeling, all of those ideas that we have, that there's just something else out there that we just have to go find it. And that compulsion to, to hit the road, to drive, to see what's out there. And it's, it's got that, that, I don't know. I just, I love it. Uh, For me, it's, it, it's almost in that category of songs. I just love generally, not just for road songs, but every time I hear it or even sing it in the shower, it makes me want to get in the car and go see what else is out there. And to my mind, that's what makes a perfect road song. Yeah. So yeah, Bob Dylan, not a shock. I don't think any of my top five are particularly surprising. Although apparently Tiny Dancer was. Yeah, that one, that's the most surprising one on your list for me, for sure. The rest of them, and Tiny Dancer is a fine choice too. They're all great choices, but I can connect with you on the other ones. Not so much on the Ellen John song. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's kind of what I I think is a little bit funny about my top five is that three of them are British. Yeah. And I guess maybe it's that outsider looking in and maybe that's more acutely aware of the size of this country and what it takes to go from place to place. Yeah. Or who who knows? I mean, I have no idea, but I I thought it was funny when I sat down. It's like, yeah, all this Americana stuff about road trips and getting out there. And, oh, it's British. Yep, he's British too. Yep, that's British. Hmm. Odd. <laughs> well, no John Fogarty here. I, I'm sure the Brits like to drive just as much as we do. Yeah, they just don't have as far to go. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's our top 10. This will be up on Spotify before too long. And we'll get this this out. But this this is fun. I had a good time. It makes me want to uh, get out there and drive. I miss it. I miss it too. I I definitely when I was putting the list together and you know writing up what I thought about the songs and why they made the list, it was like, geez, it'd be great to go somewhere. <laughs> yep. When I was doing the research, I built that initial playlist, and then what I did is I got in the car and just drove around to figure out which ones were the ones I absolutely liked best in the car and which ones, you know, maybe I'd skip. It didn't help because I loved all of them, but it was fun driving around. I did the same thing. I, I loaded up the most of the songs on the list. I didn't drive around, but when I, I was listening to the songs and rearranging the list, it was while listening to them, which ones did it make me want to get in the car the most? That's that's sort of how I put it together. Well, this this was fun to do. I'd like to do more of these if you're uh, if you're ever interested. I sure am. All right. Well, I'd say that that's our show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here, Jer. Oh, thanks for having me. As we say, the mix is in, and I guess we'll we'll see you on the road.